0: Chapter Seventeen, Part One of the Bohemians of the Latin Quarter by Henri Murger, translated by Anonymous. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Seventeen, The Toilette of the Graces, Part One. Mademoiselle Mimi, who was accustomed to sleep far into the day, woke up one morning at ten o'clock and was greatly surprised not to find rodolphe beside her nor even in the room the preceding night before falling to sleep she had however seen him at his desk preparing to spend the night over a piece of literary work which had been ordered of him and in the completion of which mimi was especially interested in fact the poet had given his companion hopes that out of the fruit of his labours he would purchase a certain summer gown that she had noticed one day at the du a famous drapery establishment, to the window of which Mimi's coquetry used very frequently to pay its devotions. Hence, ever since the work in question had been begun, Mimi had been greatly interested in its progress. She would often come up to Rodolphe whilst he was writing, and leaning her head on his shoulder would say to him in serious tones, Well, is my dress getting on? There is already enough for a sleeve, so be easy, replied Rodolphe one night having heard rodolphe snap his fingers which usually meant that he was satisfied with his work mimi suddenly sat up in bed and passing her head through the curtain said is my dress finished there replied rodolphe showing her four large sheets of paper covered with closely written lines i have just finished the body how nice said mimi then there is only the skirt now left to do how many pages like that are wanted for the skirt that depends but as you are not tall with ten pages of fifty lines each and eight words to the line we can get a decent skirt i am not very tall it is true said mimi seriously but it must not look as if we had skimped the stuff dresses are worn full and i should like nice large folds so that it may rustle as i walk very good replied Rodolph seriously i will squeeze another word in each line and we shall manage the rustling mimi fell asleep again quite satisfied as she had been guilty of the imprudence of speaking of the nice dress that rodolphe was engaged in making for her to mademoiselle musette and Femi, these two young persons had not failed to inform messieurs marcel and Schaunard of their friend's generosity towards his mistress and these confidences had been followed by unequivocal challenges to follow the example set by the poet that is to say added mademoiselle musette pulling marcel's moustache that if things go on like this a week longer i shall be obliged to borrow a pair of your trousers to go out in i am owed eleven francs by a good house replied marcel if i get it in i will devote it to buying you a fashionable fig-leaf and i said Femme to schaunard my gown is in ribbons schaunard took three sous from his pocket and gave them to his mistress saying here is enough to buy a needle and thread with mend your gown that will instruct and amuse you at the same time utila dulci nevertheless in a council kept very secret marcel and schaunard agreed with rodolphe that each of them should endeavour to satisfy the justifiable coquetry of their mistresses these poor girls said rodolphe a trifle suffices to adorn them but then they must have this trifle latterly fine arts and literature have been flourishing we are earning almost as much as street porters it is true that i ought not to complain broke in marcel the fine arts are in a most healthy condition one might believe oneself under the sway of leo x in point of fact said rodolphe musette tells me that for the last week you have started off every morning and do not get home till about eight in the evening have you really got something to do my dear fellow a superb job that Medici got me i am painting at the ave maria barracks Eight grenadiers have ordered their portraits at six francs a head, taken all round. likenesses guaranteed for a year, like a watch. I hope to get the whole regiment. I had the idea on my own part of decking out Musette when Medici pays me, for it is with him I do business and not my models. As to me, observed Schaunard carelessly, although it may not look like it, I have two hundred francs lying idle. The deuce, let us stir them up, said Rodolphe. "'In two or three days I count on drawing them,' replied Schaunard. "'I do not conceal from you that, on doing so, I intend to give a free rein to some of my passions. "'There is, above all, at the second-hand clothes shop close by, a nankeen jacket and a hunting-horn, "'that have for a long time caught my eye. I shall certainly present myself with them.' "'But,' added Marcel and Rodolphe together, "'where do you hope to draw this amount of capital from?' Hearken, gentlemen said schaunard putting on a serious air and sitting down between his two friends we must not hide from one another that before becoming members of the institute and ratepayers we have still a great deal of rye bread to eat and that daily bread is hard to get on the other hand we are not alone as heaven has created us sensitive to love each of us has chosen to share his lot which is little interrupted marcel but continued schaunard whilst living with the strictest economy it is difficult when one has nothing to put anything on one side above all if one's appetite is always larger than one's plate what are you driving at asked rodolphe this resumed Chouinard, that in our present situation we should all be wrong to play the haughty when a chance offers itself even outside our art of putting a figure in front of the cipher that constitutes our capital well said marcel which of us can you reproach with playing the haughty great painter as i shall be some day have i not consented to devote my brush to the pictorial reproduction of french soldiers who pay me out of their scanty pocket-money it seems to me that i am not afraid to descend the ladder of my future greatness and i said rodolphe do you not know that for the past fortnight i have been writing a medico chirurgical epic for a celebrated dentist who has hired my inspiration at fifteen sous the dozen lines about half the price of oysters however i do not blush rather than let my muse remain idle i would willingly put a railway guide into verse when one has a lyre, it is meant to be made use of and then mimi has a burning thirst for boots then said schaunard you will not be offended with me when you know the source of that pactolus the overflowing of which i am awaiting the following is the history of schaunard's two hundred francs about a fortnight before he had gone into the shop of a music publisher who had promised to procure him amongst his customers pupils for pianoforte lessons or pianofortes to tune by jove said the publisher on seeing him enter the shop you are just in time a gentleman has been here who wants a pianist he is an englishman and will probably pay well are you really a good one schaunard reflected that a modest air might injure him in the publisher's estimation indeed a modest musician and especially a modest pianist is a rare creation accordingly he replied boldly i am a first-rate one if i only had a lung gone long hair and a black coat i should be famous as the sun in the heavens and instead of asking me eight hundred francs to engrave my composition the death of the damsel you would come on your knees to offer me three thousand for it on a silver plate the person whose address schaunard took was an englishman named berne the musician was first received by a servant in blue who handed him over to a servant in green who passed him on to a servant in black who introduced him into a drawing-room where he found himself face to face with a briton coiled up in an attitude which made him resemble hamlet meditating on human nothingness Schaunard was about to explain the reason of his presence when a sudden volley of shrill cries cut short his speech these horrid and ear-piercing sounds proceeded from a parrot hung out on the balcony of the story below oh that beast that beast exclaimed the englishman with a bound on his armchair it will kill me thereupon the bird began to repeat its vocabulary much more extensive than that of ordinary pollies, and shonard stood stupefied when he heard the animal prompted by a female voice reciting the speech of theramenes with all the professional intonations this parrot was the favourite of an actress who was then a great favourite herself and very much the rage in her own boudoir she was one of those women who no one knows why was quoted at fancy prices on the change of dissipation and whose names are inscribed on the bills of fare of young noblemen's suppers where they form the living dessert it gives a christian standing nowadays to be seen with one of these pagans who often have nothing of antiquity about them except their age when they are handsome there is no such great harm after all the worst one risks is to sleep on straw in return for making them sleep on rosewood but when their beauty is bought by the ounce at the perfumers and will not stand three drops of water on a rag then their wit consists in a couplet of a farce and their talent lies in the hand of the claqueur. it is hard indeed to understand how respectable men with good names ordinary sense, and decent coats can let themselves be carried away by a commonplace passion for these most mercenary creatures the actress in question was one of these belles of the day she called herself dolores and professed to be a spaniard although she was born in that parisian andalusia known as the rue coquenard from there to the rue de provence is about ten minutes walk but it had cost her seven years to make the transit her prosperity had begun with the decline of her personal charms she had a horse the day when her first false tooth was inserted and a pair the day of her second now she was living at a great rate lodging in a palace driving four horses on holidays and giving balls to which all paris came the all paris of these ladies that is to say that collection of lazy seekers after jokes and scandal the all paris who plays l'enconnay the sluggards of head and hand who kill their own time and other people's the writers who turn literary men to get some use out of the feather which nature placed on their backs the bullies of the revel the clipped and sweated gentlemen the chevaliers of doubtful orders all the vagabonds of kid glovedom that come from god knows where and go back thither again some day all the marked and remarked notorieties all those daughters of eve who retail what they once sold wholesale all that race of beings corrupt from their cradle to their coffin whom one sees on first nights at the theatre with golconda on foreheads and Tibet on their shoulders and for whom notwithstanding bloomed the first violets of spring and the first passions of youth all this world which the chronicles of gossip call all paris was received by dolores who owned the parrot aforesaid this bird celebrated for its oratorical talents among all its neighbours had gradually become the terror of the nearest hung out on the balcony it made a pulpit of its perch and spouted interminable harangues from morning to night it had learned certain parliamentary topics from some political friends of the mistress and was very strong on the sugar question it knew all the actress's repertory by heart and declaimed it well enough to have been her substitute in case of indisposition moreover as she was rather polyglot in her flirtations and received visitors from all parts of the world the parrot spoke all languages and would sometimes let out a lingua franca of oaths enough to shock the sailors to whom vert vert owed his profitable education the company of this bird which might be instructive and amusing for ten minutes became a positive torture when prolonged the neighbours had often complained the actress insolently disregarded their complaints two or three other tenants of the house respectable fathers of families indignant at the scandalous state of morals into which they were initiated by the indiscretions of the parrot had given warning to the landlord but the actress had got on his weak side whoever might go she stayed the englishman whose sitting-room schaunard now entered had suffered with patience for three months one day he concealed his fury which was ready to explode under a full dress suit and sent in his card to mademoiselle dolores when she beheld him enter arrayed almost as he would have been to present himself before queen victoria she at first thought it must be Hoffman in his part of lord spleen and wishing to be civil to a fellow artist she offered him some breakfast the englishman understood french he had learned it in twenty-five lessons from a spanish refugee accordingly he replied i accept your invitation on condition of our eating this disagreeable bird and he pointed to the cage of the parrot who having smelled an englishman saluted him by whistling god save the king dolores thought her neighbour was quizzing her and was beginning to get angry when mr byrne added as i am very rich i will buy the animal put your price on it dolores answered that she valued the bird and liked it and would not wish to see it pass into the hands of another oh it's not in my hands i want to put it replied the englishman but under my feet so and he pointed to the heels of his boots dolores shuddered with indignation and would probably have broken out when she perceived on the englishman's finger a ring the diamond of which represented an income of twenty-five hundred francs the discovery was like a shower-bath to her rage she reflected that it might be imprudent to quarrel with a man who carried fifty thousand francs on his little finger well sir she said as poor coco annoys you i will put him in a back room where you cannot hear him the englishman made a gesture of satisfaction however added he pointing once more to his boots i should have preferred don't be afraid where i mean to put him it will be impossible for him to trouble my lord oh i am not a lord only an esquire with that mr byrne was retiring after a very low bow when dolores who never neglected her interest took up a small pocket from a work-table and said to-night sir is my benefit at the theatre i am to play in three pieces will you allow me to offer you some box tickets the price has been but very slightly raised and she put a dozen boxes into the briton's hand after showing myself so prompt to oblige him thought she he cannot refuse if he is a gentleman and if he sees me play in my pink costume who knows he is very ugly to be sure and very sad-looking but he might furnish me the means of going to england without being seasick the englishman having taken the tickets had their purport explained to him a second time he then asked the price the boxes are sixty francs each and there are ten there but no hurry she added seeing the englishman take out his pocket-book i hope that as we are neighbours this is not the last time i shall have the honour of a visit from you i do not like to run up bills replied mr byrne and drawing from the pocket-book a thousand-franc note he laid it on the table and slid the tickets into his pocket i will give you change said dolores opening a little drawer never mind said the englishman the rest will do for a drink and he went off leaving dolores thunderstruck at his last words for a drink she exclaimed what a clown i will send him back his money but her neighbor's rudeness had only irritated the epidermis of her vanity reflection calmed her she thought that a thousand francs made a very nice pile after all and that she had already put up with impertinences at a cheaper rate bah she said to herself it won't do to be so proud no one was by and this is my washerwoman's mouth and this englishman speaks so badly perhaps he only means to pay me a compliment so she pocketed her banknote joyfully end of chapter 17 part 1 recording by expatriate in bangor maine